Good happy Wednesday, everyone. This is Doug Farrar, editor of uh, Touchdown Wire on the USA Today Sports Media Group. And the guy over there is Greg Cosell, the guy in the stripy shirt at, at NFL Films in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. And, uh, Greg, we're ready for another X's and O's podcast with Greg Cosell and Doug Farrar. And uh, how is your NFL Films week this week? Uh, good, good. I'm just, you know, I've been watching a lot of yeah, college tape, Doug, actually, for guys who will be in the draft next year. So, you, you know, it's kind of fun because – there's no pressure, you know, there's no draft in two or three weeks where I feel I have to get through a certain number of guys. It's kind of fun to watch and do it in a kind of a relaxing way. Yeah. Well, uh, for this week's show and probably next week's show too, uh, I wanted to get into the the schemes and concepts that are kind of defining the modern NFL, the things okay. we see more of. And a lot of these things are, you know, reruns of concepts that we've seen before. But I want to start with split safeties. And ah. this is too high coverage. And Ben Fennell, who I know you know, uh, yep. pointed out on a, on a Twitter thread that I put up this morning that 2022 marked the first time in the next-gen stats era, which is 2018 through 2022, where there were more two high snaps than single high snaps. Uh, in 2018, it was 36.9%. In 2022, 49.5% uh, of all defensive snaps were split safety. And real quick, I'm going to give you a reason why. Uh, the numbers. <laughs> in uh, last season, NFL quarterbacks against single high coverage completed 61% of their passes for 7.7 .7 yards per attempt, 307 touchdowns, 179 interceptions, and a pass rating of 88.12. So put a pin in that. NFL quarterbacks against two high coverage last season – 65% uh, of their uh, attempts were completed. So you know, underneath stuff, that tells you. 7.23 yards per attempt, 179 touchdowns, 198 interceptions, and a pass rating of 83.02. So against too high, Greg, last season, quarterbacks threw more interceptions than touchdowns. Why? Well, I think the larger question is why are teams playing more too high? Yeah, interceptions are an odd statistic because you have to look at each one individually to understand why they occur. But I think you're speaking to the larger trend of why there's more too high coverage in the NFL. So think of it this way. If it's single high coverage, number one, you need a great post safety. Uh, and that's not too many one. of those guys around. There's not many of those guys around. Um, and colleges don't put out those guys, first of all. So there's fewer and fewer of those guys around. Number two, what do you get when you play single high? You get seams on both sides mm -hmm. because a savvy quarterback can move a single high safety. And unless you're going to have underneath coverage run with – we'll get into a little detail here. Just that's what we do. So let's backtrack for a sec. So if you're if you're a defense and you're playing against teams that run two by two sets, meaning two receivers on each side, okay, with a back in the backfield, but you have two receivers on each side of the formation. If you take the inside receiver, the number two receiver on each side, and you run them on seam routes, vertical seam routes, unless you're going to have an underneath defender in zone coverage run with them you are really putting the post safety in a bind because he can't play both seams. It's not, he's, he's one person. He can't play both seams. Right. And savvy quarterbacks 
can manipulate and control that post safety so they can get him to move the way they want him to move and therefore open up a seam. Um, so essentially in cover three, which is the zone version of single high safety, you're really asking if you're not going to have an underneath defender run with number two, you're basically asking your corner to have to overlap number two at times. That's hard to do because he's lining up over the outside receiver and he can't give up the outside receiver because if that outside receiver runs vertically, it's the corner's responsibility to play him. We're talking yeah, the, about math, a, the math doesn't really work. No, we're talking about a cover three look, meaning there's three deep defenders. Yep. Um, so if you get four vertical routes with three deep defenders, as you said, the math doesn't work. Yeah. So, no. you know, now the answer to that for some is, and, and this has been, you know, people talk about Nick Saban and, and that particular coverage is where you take an underneath defender and they run with number two in a two-by-two two set to alleviate the problem of four vertical routes versus a single high, you know, versus three deep defenders. Um, but that poses some other issues. So the bottom line is, is when you play with split safeties and particularly cover four quarters, number one, you take care of the fact that you don't have seams that are available. And number two, those safeties, because they don't play with the same depth as, let's say, cover two, they're also run support players as well. So you, in a sense, kill two birds with one stone. You can have, you know, safeties that are involved in the pass game and also involved in run support. Now, the only, not the only, one potential issue with that, and we see that, is cover four is essentially a matchup zone concept. It's really a, it's called zone, but it's really a man matchup principle. So now what you get is... It's basically, it's it's four guys taking a quarter of the field each. Correct. Wherever you go, I go. Right. So... Again, what happens if number two, receiver number two, and the slot receiver runs vertically? Then the safety must match up man-to-man. Once that receiver, and different coaches teach this differently, Doug, but once you get beyond maybe it's eight yards, maybe it's 10 yards, 12 yards at the absolute deepest, it becomes man coverage for the safety. Yes. So one potential issue there is if that's a receiver – Okay, let's say you decide to put Devontae Adams there. Let's say you decide to put Tyreek Hill there. Let's say you decide to put Justin Jefferson there at number two. Now you're having an elite wide receiver with a safety who, by definition, is not a great man coverage player matched against a really high-level wide receiver. So the point is, is no coverage takes care of everything. But the bottom line is split safety does eliminate open seams yes where cover three does not unless you want to do certain things that then compromise your coverage in other areas why do you play single high at all you would probably play single high it again now you get into down and distance and and you get into situations you know field position down and distance situations Right. Now you're getting into probability and tendencies based on film study. If you're playing against a team and based on your film study that week, the, on first and 10 out of a certain personnel package, they run the ball 68% of the time, then you'd probably want that extra player who's a safety in the box. 
you know, to, to defend the run because the your study, your film study and your analytical study throughout the week tells you that this is what they do predominantly or a higher percentage of the time in a given situation. Everything in this league, as you know, Doug, is based on probability, tendency, down and distance, field position, and all the work that goes into that. And that leads to how defenses play. When you play, whether it's offense in what you call or whether it's defense in what you call, and that starts with personnel, is is based on your opponent. And it's based on film study and analytical study. Right. I put up some numbers on quarterbacks against single high and Tyron Matthew, who would know, uh, (laughs) responded in the thread saying two high looks are becoming a staple in this league. Too much speed and athleticism at the receiver position to sit in one high looks. Have to take what defenses give you when you live in shell looks. Only a few can dissect it. One guy who's very good at dissecting it, Greg, is a guy that Tyron Matthew used to play with. And you probably heard of this gentleman, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I've heard he's pretty good. So Mahomes last year had an EPA of 62.82 against two high coverage, which was floors above Josh Allen, who ranked second at uh, 36.19. And I'll be interested to see what they do with uh, Dalton Kincaid in that because he's a zone killer. Uh, But Derek Carr ranked third. Tom Brady ranked fifth. So this isn't about quarterbacks who can run just foiling too high stuff. And I studied some chief stuff, and I want to get your take on this. They, they're they stellar with their two deep beaters. They spam it with concepts that seem to work. It's mirrored quick outs to stretch underneath. Matched verts to one side, you hit the open guy underneath. It, usually it's Kelsey because he's great. Using Kelsey to unlock it all as the backside ISO, and then over the middle while you got your vertical guys going this way. So there are ways to beat too deep, and to me it seems like what Andy Reid and his staffs have done over the last couple of years I don't want to say that they have the blueprint. That's not a word we like to use. No. But certainly the architecture of what the Chiefs do against too high. And Mahomes, I mean, he had his issues against too high for a couple of years. And then last year, nope. That's one more thing you can't do with this guy because you can't blitz him. You can't play. I don't know what you do against Patrick Mahomes. But now you can't play too deep anymore. It doesn't seem fair. Well, right? you know, quarters coverage, you know, and again, there's that whole Vic Fangio element as well that yeah. – so defensively, if you're going to play a coverage that's theoretically zone-based but does have matchup principles, which is what cover four is, you have to know what the weaknesses are. I was very fortunate uh, that Rod Rust, a name you know, was a uh, defensive coordinator in the league for years, considered the pioneer of quarters coverage. When he retired – he lived in the South Jersey area, and he called me up, and he said, hey, can I can I come in and watch tape with you during the season on Mondays? And I said, of course, because I knew I was going to learn stuff. You yeah. Know? So he did that. It's nice probably, get those phone calls, huh? Yeah, so he did that for four or five years. And, you know, he as I said, he's considered kind of the pioneer of quarters coverage. And the point he made was this. One of the points he made many, of course, that I, I learned a ton, um, was whenever you design a coverage, you have to know what beats it. You know, because every coverage, I mean, unless you're just playing true man coverage, in which case receivers have to win, although there's ways to attack man as well with rubs, with picks, with stacks, with bunch, you know, putting aside that, but let's stay focused with with a concept that at its core is zone. Um, 
there's always ways to attack zone coverage because if there was one zone concept, Doug, that took care of everything, everybody would play just that coverage. So sure. there is no one coverage that's zone-based that takes care of every route concept and combination. And so you have to understand when you put together a zone concept what, what beats it. And, you know, obviously we started to see not this past year but the year prior – with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, when Mahomes went through that tough two or three game stretch earlier in the season, I'm sure you recall that the way they got him out of that was they really limited their intermediate and vertical throws and they went back to everything being rhythm and timing based. And he was throwing a lot of balls under 10 yards and yes. they were really starting to develop that rhythm that because Mahomes can obviously do anything well. You know, he's that gifted physically and mentally. So, you know, and if the defense is going to allow you to take those throws, you know, I always thought that's one of the things that made Tom Brady so special is that if you were going to give him six-yard throws, he was going to take a six-yard yeah. throw. And then it's well, second yeah, and four. I don't, I don't need to show off my laser rocket arm. I'm just going to, you know, death yeah, back and, out paper cuts. And Fine. if you were going to do the same thing on second and four, I'll take a six-yard throw and we'll move the chains. Do and sooner or later, something will show at, the, at, a, at an intermediate and deeper level. But I'm not going to force that. I'm going to make you have to play really good defense, almost perfect defense on every snap. It's the flip side of, of the argument that, well, it's hard to go 12 or 13 plays and score a touchdown, and it is. But if you're playing against elite quarterbacks, and you and I don't use the word elite you know, loosely, I'm, there's not 15 elite quarterbacks. Um, no. If you're playing against one of those guys who has patience, who has poise, who understands, then They'll take six, seven, eight-yard throws every single time if they're clean throws. Um, the whole point, as you said, of shell coverage, which is what four across is, it's a, it's a shell coverage. It's an umbrella coverage, um, right. is to take away the vertical throws. But as an offense, you can create some of those vertical throws with route concepts and combinations. Umbrella coverage, hat tip, literal hat tip to Tom Landry. Um, so moving to the RPO, Greg, uh, there were 916 RPO dropbacks last season that resulted in passes in 2019, which is as and far who, back who, as... And who decided there were 916? Uh, well, I'm going to... Yeah, as far as, we, <laughs> as far as we can go with reliable metrics, because then you sort of audit it and go, okay, so right. let, let's assume 80% correct, because... And we're going to get into this. So... From 709 in 2019 to 916 in 2022. So my point is the RPO has gone up. But I think we need to start with the public service here, Greg. What is an RPO and what is not an RPO? Because it seems to have everybody confused. Yes, we're going to cut this part of the video out as part of the public service. Well, an RPO is a run-pass option, okay? Meaning that um, as the quarterback takes the snap, he is reading one defender. Uh, you can't read four defenders as you're taking the snap. That's not humanly possible. Um, maybe with artificial intelligence, it will be, but right now, it's we're, not yeah, yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, yeah. Right now, it's not humanly possible. So it's 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 in the gun. You have an offset back. The quarterback takes the snap. He is reading one defender. Ninety nine percent of the time, it's a second level defender. There are. A few times you can be reading a safety, but it's a second-level defender a very high percentage of the time. The second-level defender, by his reaction to the hand to the handoff look in the backfield, 
the mesh look in the backfield, the quarterback will decide based on the reaction of that defender that he's reading whether he's going to hand the ball off or whether he's then going to throw it into an area a high percentage of the time that that one defender that he's reading would then vacate if he reacted to the run action. Right. Okay. Now, then you have the offensive line part of this. What you're, you are trying to show to the defense with your offensive line run blocking looks. Okay. Now, normally, again, now we're getting very simple with an RPO because we'll get into a little more advanced stuff in a second. But normally what you get with an RPO is the when you're showing the fake to the back, let's say the back is going to the right. Four of your offensive linemen will go to the right to show a run look because you want the, the second-level defenders who more often than not are reading offensive linemen as their keys. Mm-hmm. They will see the offensive line move to the right in a zone look, and they'll say, aha, looks like a run. And that's the way you get the movement of that defender you're reading. Okay. Mm-hmm. But on the backside, that one backside offensive lineman, he pass protects. Okay. Because the last thing you can have, you can't have five guys run blocking and leaving a defensive end on the backside with no one blocking him. Yeah. That sounds bad. If he decides that he's just going to run at the quarterback, then you have an issue. So normally, again, in, in its purest form, with an RPO, you have four offensive linemen run blocking and the backside offensive tackle pass protecting. So you don't get a get a you know a clean shot at your quarterback. But I was R- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Good. But RPOs have now expanded. And by the way, every time you fake a handoff in the backfield to a back, it's not an RPO. Automatically an RPO. Right. People have become attuned to thinking that just because you have the quarterback in the gun and there's an offset back and you fake a handoff to him or you show a mesh point, you know, uh, that it's an automatically an RPO. That's not necessarily true. Sometimes it's very hard to tell. Um, And and, and by the way, offensive coaches love the fact that it can be hard to tell at times because that makes it more difficult to defend. So the bottom line is, if you're going to throw the ball with an RPO, Obviously, the quarterback is looking at that one defender. They want him to react to the run, look, the run action. But because those four offensive linemen are run blocking, they're not pass protecting, it's always possible you could get some leakage with a defensive lineman. Because if the defensive line, if, if a particular defensive lineman says, aha, I'm not going to I'm not going to flow with the, with the run blocking look, I'm going to rush the quarterback, then – there's really no one pass protecting with him. So that's why normally with RPOs, it's quick game throws. It's three-step timing, which means 1.5 seconds the ball needs to come out. And that's why you normally see what we call slant routes, glance routes, or quick outs. Because those are 1.5 second three-step drop timing throws. Yes, it's no. it's a lot of it's a lot of wheels, it's a lot of screens, it's a ton of slants. And do you know, by the way, how many uh, RPO throws of twenty or more air yards there were last year? How many completions of twenty or more air yards? Yeah, my guess would be none. Three, three. Okay. Yeah. So Ryan Tannehill had one, Gardner Minshew had one, and Tua Tagovailoa had one. So that was it. So which which is an excellent segue, Mister Farrar, to yes. the next point. The, the point, uh, RPOs will evolve for this reason. 
it all comes down to protection, okay? Yep. Because the reason there's quick game timing rhythm, three-step drop timing throws is because you're concerned that you're not really pass protecting with four of your offensive linemen. They're run blocking. So as I said, if there's any kind of leakage, you don't want your quarterback to get hit or you don't want it to impact the throw. So now if you can figure out a way to, to pass protect for, let's say, five-step drop timing, mm-hmm. which would be 2.1 seconds with the quarterback as opposed to 1.5, then you can start adding deeper routes to the concept of an RPO. And in my view, that's the direction we're going to go with RPOs, Doug. It's going to happen. You know, I'm not smart enough to figure out everything they're going to do, but it's going to happen that you're going to get ways in which offenses figure out how to pass protect so they can have somewhat deeper routes as part of what looks like an RPO. Well, you're a Philly guy, so you may remember this play. Gardner Minshew uh, was week 16 against the Cowboys when they were sitting Jalen Hurts. He had a 48-yard completion to A.J. Brown. Uh, Short drop pack on a pistol. This was 11 personnel, so it wasn't heavy. Uh, He looked to Zach Pascal on the quick out to the right. It may have been a flat or an out, whatever. It's a quick thing. Trayvon Diggs came screaming down to defend it, which left A.J. Brown completely uncovered. Right. Uh, I, 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 th- I don't remember exact every detail of the play. Um, I'd have to see it, and I, I'm not looking at it right now. Right. Um, so I'd have to see what the offensive line did. I'd have to see the whole look of the play. Right. Uh, but judging by what you're saying, I, I'm you know, as you said, Diggs reacted to what he thought was going to be the quick out based on, yeah, on his sense out. of what the whole look was. And yeah, the, block, yeah the, blo- the blocking checks out. Okay. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's – you know, you see that a lot, even when it's not an RPO, where teams try to fake bubble screens to try to get a reaction uh, of, of second level and even third level defenders and then run routes behind that that are deeper. So it's, you know, that's a concept as well that we see often. You see that in college football as well, but you certainly yep. see it in the NFL. Um, so but the, the larger point is, I think that you're going to see teams try to evolve the, the RPO concept and, and try to come up with ways to protect so that they can work a little deeper down the field. Obviously, you're not going to get into true seven-step drop timing where the quarterback's going to sit in the pocket for 2.6, 2.8 seconds. I don't think you'll get you'll quite get there, but you there's still you'll still see an expansion of the concept. Well, the longest RPO pass, real quick, uh, was uh, from Ryan Tannehill to Traylon Burks last year, 51 yards. And most of it was pre-catch. And they lined up with six OL uh, two tight ends to the back, the backside. Burks was the only guy who ran a route. And, he beat and, and by just what you said right there, what is that telling the defense, particularly with Tennessee, with run, Derrick run, Henry? Run. That says run all the way. It's, run personnel. Yeah. it's a run personnel and it's a run formation. So the defense right away, based on their film study and everything they've done all week, is thinking this is a running play. So you create explosive plays out of the RPO with schematic sleight of hand, which we're, we're talking about, like how this goes to the next level. Well, that, and that's, about, what I, that's what I'm talking about. You know, right. the te- teams are going to figure out how to do this. I was talking to Frank Reich, what, like six years ago about second and third level RPOs. So this has been around for a while, but now teams are starting to. And it's, it's funny that Jalen Hurts, as far as I know, who was the most prolific RPO passer as a passer and a runner, by the way, six rushing right. touchdowns, I believe, out of RPOs. Um, he 
I, as far as I know, he didn't have the explosive RPO. It was Gardner Minshew. So they had it dialed up. They just did it well, for a different guy. And it's funny you mentioned um, Jalen Hurts and obviously, uh, you know, Frank Reich. And, and now we'll see what happens in Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson. But when you have quarterbacks in the gun who present a run threat just by the very nature of being in the gun, which Hurts does, Richardson will, um, obviously Lamar will. And I'm very anxious to see how Todd Monken handles all that. Um that dictates how defenses have to play pre-snap because almost always when you have a quarterback in the gun and a back to one side of them, if you're going to play some form of single high, let's say, because you're anticipating it's first and 10 and because the Eagles run the ball well, you know, the, the Colts will probably run the ball well. They have Jonathan Taylor. So teams on first and 10 could very well play with a single high safety, Doug. So what happens is, is, when the quarterback is such a big running threat, the free safety in single high becomes the extra quarterback player to the side of the back. And yes. and that see, that creates by NFL standards relatively easy pass game concept execution. Yes. And and you don't need a thousand concepts to attack that because you know what you're going to get. It even works with the run game. You may recall in the NFC championship game on the touchdown drive in which I believe uh, Miles Sanders scored on a 13-yard touchdown, yep. uh, two or three plays earlier in that drive, Kenny Gainwell ran 17 yards. I don't know if yes. you remember this. Yep. It was the exact same play. And the, the free safety, who I believe was Gibson on these plays, but it, mm -hmm. I believe it could have been Ufang. I think it was Gibson. I, he it, was it, clearly yeah. cheated to the side of the back because they actually went with a four-by-one set, okay? Mm -hmm. So they had a bunch to the right, uh, the back offset to the right. So it was a four-by-one set, and you still had the quarterback as a run threat because it's Hurts, and then they ran zone to the other side, away from all that. There just weren't enough defenders to defend the run to that side. You probably remember this. Yes, I do. Well, and the Eagles, uh, we're going to throw out the third subject because we've gotten as far into the week. Well, we'll get to that next week. Yeah, I love to get into the weeds. Uh, we'll do five-man friends next week as far as some other things. But Oh, well, that, that could be a half hour in and of itself. Right. Um, I wanted to get into this thought, and I wrote a couple pieces about this last season. The Eagles, it was like kind of the reverse Shanahan when pre-snap, it was a lot of 11 personnel. It wasn't really anything tricky. And then post-snap, everything just went into chaos. And one of the reasons, for the primary reason for that, and you and I have discussed this before, people talk about Jalen Hurts as a, a system quarterback. No, 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 no. He was the system. Everything revolved around him. So the That's Eagles correct. could show you nothing pre-snap. You couldn't get really, like, you couldn't get a tell. Well, the, the reason after why people, the snap, they could yeah. like just go off. The, the reason why people thought he was a system quarterback has to do with the fact that I had a conversation with a coach who was on the Eagles staff. So I know this for a fact is because when you put – because Hurts forces the defense to play a certain way, they don't need a 1,000 route concepts and combinations. Yep. And obviously I'm, I'm exaggerating with the number of 1,000, yeah. but it's not like a Mike Martz playbook, you know. Or they, Al they, Saunders where it's now, Right. They, they can deal with many fewer pass game concepts because they know how the defense is going to have to play. Yep. So, you know, and this is – no knock on anybody. This is smart yep. football. It's what you know, you're supposed to do. You're supposed to maximize things for your players. Correct. So, therefore, people would look at the Eagles and go, oh, they don't run a lot of things. 
that's right. They don't they run don't a lot to. of things because they don't have to. They know what the defense is going to show them. And if the defense wants to do something totally different because they're going to say, oh, we don't have to worry about Hurts, you know what? The Eagles will run the ball and they'll run it well. Yeah. And, you know, it's like the Legion of Boom. But okay, cover three, cover one, couple cover two snaps. You know what you're, you know what's coming, uh, but deal with it. That's, yeah. Not everything has to be complicated to work, certainly. No. Well, Greg, uh, that was ooh, good stuff. That was like, I like that. That was, that, was some foot, that was some football, Doug. Yes, that was some football. Well, we'll get back into it next week with uh, more subjects. This might be a month-long thing, which, you know, it's June. We can do that. Okay. <laughs> we can there's there's many it. concepts. Look, you you know, you wrote a book about it. I wrote a book years ago about it. Uh, yes, indeed. Or, or was part of a, a book written. I don't want to take full credit because it wasn't just me. Uh, but uh, you can talk about football concepts. We could do this for the next month and, and not run out of subjects. Yep, the back-and-forth battle, so it has always been. Well, Greg, as always, awesome stuff, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Doug.